staff from West Africa say they've been left with no option but to confront head-on the increasing spate of military takeovers taking center stage in West Africa. The comments follow the resolution of the regional body, ECOWAS, to deploy a military force in Tunisia within next week if the toppled president, Mohamed Bazoum, is not reinstated by the presidential guard who seized power through a coup d'etat last week. Although experts say, uh, experts caution that the use of force may become a full-blown war, if not handled properly, ECOWAS says it may become a laughing stock if, allows, uh, if it allows five of its member states to be controlled by military. Now, Blessed Soga has an excerpt of what transpired on day one of the extraordinary meeting held by a committee of chiefs of defense staff in Nigeria yesterday, plus a reaction from a military ruler in Niger. Authority of ECOWAS heads of states and government at their extraordinary session held on the 30th of July 2023 in Abuja, Nigeria, resolved to use all necessary means to restore constitutional order, including the deployment of an ECOWAS military force, if the democratically elected president, Mohamed Bazoum, is not reinstated by the presidential guard, which seized power last week. In federance of these directives, a committee of chiefs of defense staff of ECOWAS member states are holding an extraordinary meeting on the political situation in the Republic of Niger from now until the 4th of August 2023. Christopher Musa is Chief of Defense Staff for the Federal Republic of Nigeria. The political instability in Niger is a source of grave concern for us all. It threatens our shared vision of a peaceful, secure and prosperous West Africa. A vision that is impossible to achieve amidst political upheavals and disruptions to constitutional order. The task of restoring democratic governance in Niger is fraught with potential hurdles and complications. However, we cannot afford to be hamstrung by these challenges. Instead, we must confront them head-on, drawing upon our shared experiences, wisdom, and the strength of our collective resolve. Niger's new military ruler, quickly reacted by lashing out at neighboring countries and the chiefs of defense staff, as well as the international community, in a nationally televised speech Wednesday night. General Abdurrahman Ichiani warned against any form of foreign meddling and military intervention against the coup d'etat. Regarding certain foreign partner powers, we like the overwhelming majority of the people of Niger were surprised by their eagerness to condemn the seizure of power by the National Council of the Safeguarding of the Country to pronounce sanctions against Niger and its people and to put a de facto end to their security of cooperation. This hostile and radical attitude brings no added value neither in the resolution of the new situation born of the seizure of power by the National Council for the safeguarding of the country nor of our hitherto common fight against terrorism. It is unclear the manner in which ECOWAS intends to deploy its forces into the Republic of Niger. However, Joy News is learning that the Ghana Armed Forces will contribute their troops, will contribute their troops once the green light is given. Dominic Nitu is Minister for Defense. As ECOWAS has given um, the Janta a one-week automatum to Hanover or face severe consequences, including the use of force. After the one week, we will seek the direction of the presidents exactly what they will do. But I can say that the member states are ready. 
Meanwhile, the Commissioner for Political Affairs, Peace and Security at the Air Coast Commission, Ambassador Abdel Fattah Musa, tells Joy News that it is worrying terrorism has implanted itself in the West African sub-region and the trend, he says, is growing towards the coastal states. The uh, economic community of West African states, that's ECOWAS, used to be the poster boy of a regional um, economic communities that were uh, the best regarded you know, in the world. That is uh, ECOWAS, um, the ECOWAS. Uh, in the 1990s, what we did, you know, trying very hard to stop civil wars, Liberia, Sierra Leone, and others, and then overseeing the gradual uh, installation of democracy in West Africa. Almost all countries in West Africa have democratically elected presidents. And then uh, come in, in the you know in the region you know that uh, in the past three years or so we've had about eight successful and unsuccessful coups in the West Africa you know region. The reasons are multifaceted, mm-hmm. and uh, you know and I, I think this is what we have to you know look at. Terrorism has implanted itself in our sub-region, and as you are in Accra. You know the situation of refugees in the northern part of Ghana today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benin is being targeted. Togo is targeted. Cote d'Ivoire is targeted. You know, so terrorism is descending toward the coastal states of the Gulf of Guinea. Now to other stories. The Ghana Union of Traders Association is asking the Ghana Port and Harbors Authority to suspend the implementation of new port tariffs and engage stakeholders. They say these charges would further compound the high cost of doing business in Ghana. Guta says the announcement comes as a surprise to its members who continue to reel under the effect of the many taxes and levies that have been introduced in recent times. Guta President Dr. Joseph Obeng spoke to my colleague Benis Abubedu Lansa earlier on his desk. That's surprising because we are having engagement with um, the Ghana Port Authority and uh, it is not conclusive. We haven't built any consensus. And then they brought this on the blind side of the stakeholders. Um, uh, it doesn't show respect to us. Right. And we are not going to allow this. Because the social coming the way that we allow them to uh, make an uh, increase. Uh, only uh, barely a year now. So uh, they cannot continue to increase um, the, the tariffs. Um, um, uh, especially at this time that we are all complaining that cost of doing business in this country is extremely high, and that um, is collapsing businesses. But even the, uh, it's not good even for the port authorities themselves because uh, barely four months ago they called us and, and uh, complained that the port uh, is not not having the needed traffic that it used to be. Mm-hmm. And that we should find a solution to it. And we said that the problem has been the cost of doing business at that point. If that is not taking, most of us are going to do our business through the lobby port. Because the cost here is too much. And right. when that happens, is it going to help the, uh, the country? It's not going to help us. Doc. And so they, they should be careful and mindful of um, the charges that they keep. Um, uh, and when, when this happens, you know what also follows? 
Then the shipping lines is also influenced to also increase their, their, their charges. And it compounds the problem for us all the time. Now, graduate physician assistants have threatened not to renew their licenses to practice next year should government fail to grant their demand to operate independently. The association has temporarily suspended its strike for a month to return to the negotiation table with government. Their decision is in compliance with a directive from the National Labor Commission mediating their concerns with clauses in the Health Professions Regulatory Bodies Act. The Health Ministry's PRO Isaac Barr Affairs says they are hoping to forge a way forward with them. But the association says should negotiations fail to go in its favor, it will not renew its licenses and suspend practice. Anthony Asari Akun is president. If you talk of uh, renewal or pension licensing for next year practice, we are not renewing as for that. That is it. We are ready to give up everything. Just for posterity. It's as simple as that. And so we are bringing everything. Listen, even with these negotiations or mediations on we are... Meanwhile, the National Labor Commission's Executive Secretary is confident a resolution will be reached. Uh, the physician assistants are not on strike. The strike has been called off. So currently they are put. Yes, uh, they appeared before the commission and uh, after preliminary hearing, they have decided to go and seek and consult on the, their areas of disagreement and report to the commission in a month's time on the 16th of next month. So they've been given one month to go and uh, consult, try to iron the difference and report to the commission. Yes, the Medical and Dental Council were here. You know, the, the, the Ministry of Health is a mother ministry, and it has several agencies under it, with each of them having an area, a defined area of operation. And this was within the Medical and Dental Council, so they were here deal with the matter so there was not much need of the ministry of health because mm. um, the manpower were going to be here not doing anything in the office just to come and here so um it's been dealt with by the party that the medical and dental council and the physician if it just can then the ministry will come in now, the Public Procurement Authority has given approval for a transaction advisor to be procured to lead the processes of identifying a suitable private sector entity with the requisite technical and financial capability to help dispose of the Saglame housing project, which cost the state $200 million. It follows Cabinet's directive to the Minister for Works and Housing. It is to dispose of at the current value to a private sector entity to complete and sell the housing units to the public at no further cost to the government. But Joy News is learning of a new cost at almost 200 million after some assessment was done. Sector Minister Francis Asensubwache has been explaining. The thorough feasibility studies were done. In fact, it's a, it's a, it was a requirement before Finance Ministry will commit funds to. And after the feasibility studies, it went before a panel of experts who sat on it and approved it before the Ministry of Finance committed funds to it. Mm. Of course, I did mention the use of local materials. That's one of the strategies we want to adopt to address the housing deficit, housing issues in the country. Because one of the reasons why it costs so much is because all our building materials, raw materials, are imported. And it's become even difficult 
lately because of the current global crisis. So what kind of indigenous raw materials are we talking about? I'm talking about, for now, the burnt bricks, mm. okay, which we have huge deposits uh, in many parts of the country, in the Ashanti region, in the Central region, in the Bonafo region. But unfortunately, they are still expensive. Right. Okay. It's because the industry is not developed. We want to use this project mm. as a catalyst for people to uh, realize that, hey, this band brace can be used. People develop interest in it, develop the taste for it. Because many people don't want to use the band brace. If you're able to create demand for it, it will also create su supply for it, mm. and you can have mass production, and you can enjoy economies of scale. And in that case, the prices of these uh, raw materials, burn base, will come down. Then we develop the, 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 the raw materials, the local building materials industry, mm. so that the average cost will come down, and, uh, and it will help in, 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 in our local housing industry. State Housing Corporation has already, is one of the contractors, or one of the developers that have taken advantage of this and is working on. Apart from the state housing, we understand that the others are from the private sector. Yeah. Uh, they are all from the private state yeah. housing. Uh, pretty much is a private sector. It's owned by the state, all right, but mm. it's, it's in the market to, to make profit. Yeah. And the 60% the, the that you are targeting, that you want to address their housing mm -hmm. needs. Mm -hmm. Now let's look at the cost. Uh, studio around twenty thousand. One bedroom. One bedroom. Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Mm -hmm. Two bedroom. Thirty seventeen thousand. Thirty four thousand. And then three bedroom. Mm -hmm. So, what is the f financing arrangement? Is it a case that's going to be a, a one-off payment, or they'll have to pay it within okay. a certain period of time? Okay. So, um, the Ministry of Finance has a program called Home Ownership Fund. That one uh, is a blended financing arrangement between the government and some selected banks that government subsidizes the banks to provide mortgage arrangement mm -hmm. mortgage facilities to 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 workers let me take you to parliament and join um our parliamentary affairs correspondent Kukwasante, who is joining us with the reactions from the house to this particular development how has the house been reacting to this announcement that we're looking for a private investor to take over Saglame at a cost of $200 million. I spoke to a member of the Works and Housing Committee within this week. He was categorical that mm. the minority is issuing that warning to all private investors that if you take over Saglame, you are taking that at your own risk and that a future NDC government will be looking forward to complete it with state funds. They have no plans of privatizing that project. And so if government does go ahead to give it out to a private company, that private company will be taking on some really huge costs and some really huge risk to complete that project. So they are completely against it. Just about a few months back, they told the facility with journalists, they exposed what they said was government's inconsistencies about the project. They say that the only reason the president before the government does not want to complete the project is political reasons, not financial, and that... The government has allowed people to steal the material that are being used for the project, mm. but that they are committed as a future NDC government to complete it. And so if any private investor takes over that project, mm. they'll be doing so at their own risk. Mm. Now, we understand that this will cost, uh, you know, the private investor who will take on this agreement, $200 million. Do you know how much it will cost the state 
to complete the new housing scheme that they just launched? Well, the, the entire amount itself has not been given, but in Parliament, there has been laid what is called uh, a 10-key contract agreement between the government of Ghana, represented by the Ministry of Works and Housing, and Duja Promotion Group Adoa for an amount of $56.8 million. And so that is how much government is investing into that project, because it's a private partnership agreement. Government is seeking parliamentary approval of $56.8 million to invest in that project, the private company will also invest its own part of the of the of the of the building. Government is also providing land, and those are the questions the minority have been raising. They say that the government must cost the land they are providing, all other things they are providing, cost it, add it to this fifty-six million. Then the public will know that this is how much government is contributing to the project. Then come clean as to how much this private developer is also bringing. Then at the end of the day, you can put that together and know that this is the amount this project will cost. In fact, when the president spoke at the event the other time, they did not mention how much the entire pro project is going to cost. And that is the issue the minority have been raising. I should, I should add that this $56.8 million that government is seeking approval for has not been approved yet. It is part of the reason why the minority boycotted the event. They said that the finances have not been approved, and so they were surprised that government was going ahead to launch that project. And so that is the outstanding issue. $56.8 million government is seeking the approval of parliament as its contribution to this CP agreement. They, are there any intentions of hauling the minister before the House to answer questions about you know, financing for the new scheme? My understanding is that urgent questions are being filed. The only challenge is that parliament is set to go and break today. And so even if urgent questions are filed within this period, it's very unlikely that a minister will be brought in to answer those questions. It may take up till October this year when the House resumed from its break. But we know that over the weekend, last weekend, there was this meeting between the Western Housing Committee and the Western Housing Ministry at Kuforibia where they discussed this project. Minority raised the objections, which led to the delay in approving this financing. And so some conversations have been had with the minister already. But I understand urgent questions are being filed. It will not be admitted now because clearly the House is going on break. But in October, when the House resumes, this will be some of the key issues that Parliament will be discussing when we are back from the average. Greg, we still stay with me because we understand the minority in Parliament say Bank of Ghana acted illegally when it purported to write off some debt audit by the government. Now, the central bank has written off more than 30 billion cities' debt of the government. Speaking to journalists in Parliament, acting ranking member on the Finance Committee, Isaac Adongo, explained that such a write-off can only be completed with a resolution of parliament, which he argues has not been complied with. Kweku, uh, uh, what does the minority intend to do about this alleged breach? So, Brace, in fact, yesterday when the minority leader himself concluded his side commenting on the media budget review, Dr. Kisilatoforsin raised concerns about what they believe is the illegal conduct of the Bank of Ghana. They believe that it is not up to the Bank of Ghana by itself to decide to write off debt that is audited by the government of Ghana. In fact, they have been raising concerns that the BOG was illegally printing money to fund government expenditure. And this is what has come back to bite the Bank of Ghana, making such significant losses. And so they say that they are going to haul the Bank of Ghana governor before the Finance Committee yeah. and other such committees within Parliament. The big challenge, again, goes back to that works and housing story that we just discussed. So that parliament is going on break today, and so there's very little parliament can do unless the MPs move the house to come back for an emergency sitting 
or that the Committee on Finance will be sitting among others. So these are all concerns that is affecting the minority and how they are able to move forward. But the intention has been signaled clearly, both from the minority leader himself and the acting ranking member of the Finance Committee, that they are going to use processes within an outside parliament to ensure that the Bank of Ghana does not do this because they believe it's illegal and it's contrary to the Public Financial Planning Act and the Bank of Ghana enabling legislation. If I understand it clearly, it means now the House is expected to rise in the dime today. It clearly says that they won't be able to finish key business they have outlined, right? Yeah, definitely. In fact, one of the big issues Parliament was hoping it could deal with before it goes on break is that anti-gay bill sponsored by Sam George and other MPP and NC MPs in Parliament. That bill is currently at the consideration stage. The expectation was that the House could do a chunk of the consideration where they would take the bill cross by cross on the floor, do amendments to it before they can pass it. They have not been able to do so and they are expected to go on break today to return in October. So that signaled intention that at least the House could complete the consideration stage and possibly pass the bill would not be done. And so that is one of the key businesses that the House would have to deal with. Other issues having to do with loans and other things have all come on the floor, but the minority have been able to throw spokes in the wheels of government, asking government to put those arrangements back to the Finance Committee for discussion. But as we speak, they have very major business that is very likely the House will not be able to complete them before it goes on break. Yeah, grateful to you, Greg Asante, for joining us here now. Let's do some politics now. Uh, because campaign team of Alan Tremontin says President Ekofado's public renunciation of support for an aspirant in the flag bearer race is a signal that a party and delegate must pick and act on immediately. According to Yao Bobina Samuel, who is spokesperson for the team, the decision by the president, though a compelled one, came at a time the vice president is reportedly using government establishments to induce delegates in some part of the country. Is therefore calling on delegates to stand up and fight the intimidation and inducement by the establishment candidate. Now, uh, we cannot go live to the MPP headquarters for details, but even before we do that, let's listen to uh, Yaobabi Asamoah. The fact that the president has been compelled to speak out uh, uh, shows how pervasive the perception is that uh, there is organized support behind a particular candidate. So, so it's okay that the president as an individual says he doesn't support any of the others. And indeed, the president made a very, very significant statement. He said the spirit of the party will determine who actually wins this. And, and that I agree with him, except that the establishment is not working that way. The establishment, which includes the president and, and others, are demonstrating otherwise. I mean, the finance minister uh, uh, chats and says that he's going to spend all the money he can to make sure that somebody wins. Who is that somebody? That somebody is the establishment candidate. That's Who is the establishment candidate? That somebody is uh, uh, the vice president. I mean, we are all aware that he is the establishment candidate. Because the establishment is behind him. And the president says he is not behind him. So it's a signal that I think that the party must pick up. If the president says that he is not behind anybody, then the party delegates must stand up. The party delegates must resist any attempt for... How, how do you want people. them to do this? How do you want the party by, by, or the delegates to do this? By rejecting some of the inducements and the threats. What for are example, the... 
We're going to go live to the MPP headquarters for details as the elections committee of the party is currently holding a crucial meeting with aspirant Samuel Imbra of our political desk. joins us via Zoom now. Imbra, what is this meeting about and has it started yet? Great. Uh, at the moment, the meeting has begun. However, it is an in-camera meeting, meaning the media is not part of it or has not been allowed into the even the premises of the party. So what we are doing now is to pitch camp just in front of the party office here at Asylum Down whilst waiting for the aspirants. They've actually sent their representatives to come for the meeting. Earlier, I, get, I engaged some of them to find out the exact reason or the agenda for the meeting. However, I was told that it was an emergency invitation extended to them. So they do not have full details of what the meeting is all about. But what I can say is that the representatives of the aspirants are currently before the elections committee here at the party headquarters. And we are pitching camp outside to monitor and also hear from the, uh, the party as well as the aspirants when the meeting is done, what it is all about. But we do know that the party has actually postponed is or extended the date for his uh, proxy application and some of these issues i understand will also be addressed yeah. there. so for now the mm. meeting has started however we don't know the details we'll surely bring our viewers and listeners up to speed the outcome of this meeting in our subsequent elections all right uh, grateful to you samuel and brother what? now um, to other stories and illegal mining activities have rendered many water bodies in ghana suitable for domestic and industrial activities the affected communities, which are primarily rural, rural and unable to afford water filters. Fortunately, mechanical engineering students of the Sunyani Technical University have developed a pedal-powered water filter to solve the problem. Love FM's Chrissy Deborah traveled to Sunyani to meet the developers Lee Nova Ochanja and Linda Tua for Tech Thursday. The machine comprises a filter attached to a bicycle mounted on a metal platform. As the bicycle is pedaled, the movement of the wheel draws water into the filter. The filtered water is then collected in a container. Right there we have a reverse osmosis machine. It has been purposely created for rural areas where we cannot have access to clean water. So what the machine does is it purifies the water from particles. So you can use this machine who is powered by manpower. So you can just place it at your borehole or your riverside and you paddle, you paddle it. After this stage, you get clean water. What the semi-permeable element will do is like, it will remove all the particles from the water. So you can, you can maintain this semi-permeable element by opening it, you clean it. Maybe after one month, you can clean it and you fix it back onto the machine. As a bonus, the machine can be your go-to fitness training equipment. Reporting for Joy News, Kwesi Deborah. Now, the people of Nyarega in the Bogatanga municipality of the Upper East Region could not hide their gratitude to Joy News when Reverend John Akaribo, who was recognized for his impact in education and healthcare at the recent Joy News Impact Makers Award, officially presented his award to the entire community. 
at a small community deba held at nyarega done the assemblyman education second supervisor former student of reverend john akaribo school and other community members said they were all excited to see that his hard work has finally been recognized on a national platform correspondent albert sorry has more Dozens of community members of Nyarega gathered to welcome back home their local hero, now a Joy News Impact Makers Award winner. Reverend John Akarebo, now a retiree, started the Nyarega Doni Girls Primary School in the year 1998. His vision was to see a Nyarega community where there are as many educated women as men. Over the years, the Nyaragadoni Girls School has provided basic education to hundreds of girls, many of whom are working in various sectors of Ghana's economy today. Reverend John Akaribo also started a clinic here at Nyarga, which has now been upgraded to the status of a health center and is serving the community. The Joy News Impact Makers Awards recognized Reverend John Akaribo for the impact he has had on his community. After receiving the award, Reverend John Akaribo returned home to a rousing welcome at this community deba where he presented his award plaque to the leaders and people of his community. The women and girls sang his praises and it was all joy as community members danced in excitement. The chiefs and elders of Nyarga congratulated Reverend John Akarebo for his achievement. Here is the assemblyman for the Nyarga electoral area, Simon Adoko Azare. And I'm grateful to Joy News Impact Makers for making a son of this particular soil to also be part of 10 award winners in Ghana. That tells you that he's really a great man. A man who has suffered tirelessly to bring about the development of this school. For the award, it is going to encourage educated people to start doing things to improve their own communities. The Nyargadoni Girls School falls under the Bolgatanga North Education Circuit. The circuit supervisor, George Benga Solomon, said the contribution of Reverend John Akaribo to the education of girls in the area has been enormous, and he was happy to see that the Joy News Impact Makers Awards has recognized this. His activities in the community and in the circuit is very huge, especially with the introduction of the girls' model school in the circuit. And uh, with the introduction of these girls' education, it has also brought a lot of girls back to school. And but at least uh, we are also happy that at least people who are out there have been able to see the good work he's doing. And this will also motivate him to do more for the community. As, as Ghana Education Service, our support is to make sure that. The foundation he has started, we will have to also invest more. Some past students of the Nyargadoni Girls Junior High School were also at the Deba to show appreciation to Reverend John Akarebo. 
he has given us girl school which this community we are not only girls we we, we have our, our brothers so it is now his dream to to establish a technical institute in Yarka so he want the organizations to help him to establish this organ uh, this institution so what I will appeal from all the organization is they should help our founder our father our inspirer to be able to build a vocational school in Nyarga. Other community members of Nyarga could not hide their admiration for the gallant Reverend John Akarebo and how excited they were that he had finally been given the recognition that they felt he deserved. I'm grateful to Joy uh, News and then Joy, all the Joy channels. Um, I'm grateful to Joy Impact uh, Awards. It's, it's something that will motivate some of the young guys to also work hard so that one day, one day, we'll also sit in our homes like John uh, and then they will call us to come and also pick awards somewhere. I realize that uh, Joy News Impact Makers Awards have actually nominated him to be part of those that have actually made impact in their community. I'm very happy. This uh, particular award scheme have actually opened ways for us to and other people that when we see what is good, then they need to be appreciated. For Reverend John Akaribo himself, the joy that has come with being recognized at the Joy News Impact Makers Awards is one that is going to remain in his heart for the rest of his life. Uh, this award means a lot, not to me alone, but it means a lot to the entire community. Because this is a time that the whole people will get to know that when you are doing good work, you are doing it not for yourself, but for humanity. So I think today, uh, in fact, I appreciate because today we are able to bring together our entire community and they are all happy that this award has been given. Uh, it is not for us to sleep, but it's for us to work harder and harder. As part of the package for winning the Joy News Impact Makers Award, Reverend John Akaribo will have access to 80,000 Ghana cities worth of airtime to publicize his projects and activities on Joy News. He also received education materials from some donors to support his school. For Joy News, Albert Sorry. All right, and the second uh, Ecoban Joy News Habitat Mini Clinic starts tomorrow, Friday, 4th uh, August, through to Sunday, uh, 7th August at the Wessels Moor from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. We'll be there the whole day and the whole time as this uh, goes on. Pass by and learn how you can own your own home. There's a lot that will be shared uh, during the mini uh, clinic. So, See you there. Uh, this is still Join News uh, today. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with business. Stay with us. Hello, my name is Abeiku Agri Santana. If there's anything that makes my life so easy, it is my bank. I love hanging out with my boys' boys at our usual fufu joint. But even without cash, we still need chop better with Ecobank Mobile. 
No matter the time of day, my bank helps me stay in touch with my beautiful wife whenever she's away. And when my beautiful wife is in town, she never misses out on her favorite TV shows because I'm able to pay up all my TV subscriptions from the comfort of my mobile phone. Whenever she has to get groceries too, my bank makes it cashless and convenient. And the part my wife loves the most is when my bank makes it possible and easy for her to shop from any part of the world without moving. <laughs> Welcome to the smart world of Ecobank. Download Ecobank Mobile from Google Play Store or the App Store and discover the smart way to bank. Ecobank, the Pan-African bank. Daddy, Daddy, this tank is big. Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working satisfaction. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so true. I can see S I N T E X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil. That's not true. But why? Hey! Syntex <laughs> was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to the business segment on Joy News Today with me, Pius Kojo Baka. The Ghana Free Zones authorities are appealing to businesses in the export-oriented space and other service providers to join the new licensing regime, which gives them the opportunity to enjoy some incentives from the authority. According to the Chief Executive, Mike Okuejinia, the new licensing concept allows all export or service or businesses that delivers about 70% of goods outside the country to be part of the scheme irrespective of their locations. He spoke at an engagement with the Association of Ghana Industries in a meeting. The engagement with the Accra chapter of the Association of Ghana Industries was aimed at enhancing information sharing among players of key sectors of export trade in order for the country to benefit from the Continental Free Trade Agreement. According to the Chief Executive for Free Zones, Mike Okwe Jr., Ghana's friendly business environment makes it the ideal location for more investors to establish their businesses. Therefore, it used the opportunity to call on export-oriented businesses and service providers to consider joining the Free Zone scheme in order to benefit from many incentives. You don't need to be in a Free Zone enclave to get a license. You can be around your area or the source of your raw material. So if you're doing share and you want to be located in the north, you can be in the north but have the license and not be in the location to be a free zone company. Another thing that we also want to inform the Ghanaian public about is if you are doing 70% of export, then you are welcome to come and get these monetary incentives or 
the non-monetary incentives. When you come, we'll go into detail depending on the kind of company you have. Because your company may be a manufacturing company, different sets of rules apply. Your company may be a services company, different sets of rules apply. But we are even inviting more service companies to come. Why? Ghana has been said to be the second most peaceful country in Africa as per the Global Peace Index. Chairman for the Greater Accra AGI, Chona Makbelu, described the meeting as a very fruitful one, which afforded an avenue for captains of industries to share their challenges with the authority. I thought it was a, a crucial and a strategic attempt to collaborate with the free zone in order to have most of our members have their companies as free zone companies. The, today's meeting is essentially to expand the relationship and to really understand what it takes to become a free zone company. So it would be very fruitful. As a result of these conversations, a lot of things were revealed. For example, that 70%, you need to be able to export 70% of your products, and also there's no revenue threshold. What it means is that most of our SMEs are able to enroll at the, at, as free zone companies. We didn't know that. In the past, you only see very few companies run by elderly people, grown-ups, and very rich. But with this expose, we know that SMEs can partake. Mind you, most of our members are SMEs. And so for us, it's very important and strategic. The theme for the meeting was the role of Ghana Free Zones Authority in harnessing the potential of the private sector for economic good. Eben Sabutier's report for Joy Business. The National Lottery Authority has projected a 1.4 billion Ghana cities for the gaming industry to support economic growth through various partnerships. According to the Director General of the Authority, Samuel Awuku, the introduction of innovative and exciting games will aid in raking in more revenue and create business opportunities through operations nationwide. He was speaking at the official launch of the Game Park Limited. Game Park Limited is licensed to operate lottery in Ghana as a third-party collaborator to the National Lottery Authority. At the launch, Director General Samuel Ewuku called for more collaborative effort through gaming to support revenue mobilization. Game Park, you've been knocking on our doors for the last two years. And I'm excited that you're able to go through these rigorous processes that do have the Honorable Dr. John Kuma and myself sitting on the board as well. As a regulator, we offer an even playing field. And we believe that as our third party collaborators, our belief is that your new game, which is the pick four, which you can be which can be played online and via USSD, with as low as one Ghana CD will inject some excitement into the Ghanaian lottery space. Executive Director of Game Park Limited, B.B. Bright, said Game Park would uphold the highest form of integrity for patrons to have the needed trust. As a third-party collaborator licensed by the National Lottery Authority, Game Park is a wholly-owned Ghanaian company. The company draws its experience from its technical service provider, Supreme Ventures, the premier gaming and entertainment provider in the Caribbean and in Jamaica. In search of a partner, not only did Supreme Ventures stand out due to their 20 years and over of experience, Supreme Ventures is also listed on the Jamaican Stock Exchange since 2006 and it has provided exciting games, products and solutions through its extensive distribution network. 
The launch of Game Park Limited is a pivotal moment in Ghana's gaming industry, raising expectations for an innovative and trustworthy lottery platform that is poised to redefine the gaming landscape in the country. And that's your business for now. I am Pius Kojo Bakadara. will be here at 1 p.m. with the marketplace. Let's discuss now on a journey today with me, Muftar Nabila Abla. The Ghana Football Association has announced that it will hold an elective congress on September 27, uh, 2023. The football governor body in a statement released a couple of minutes ago revealed that they will open for nomination forms to be filed by interested candidates on um, September, August 8th, or rather. That is a statement the Ghana Football Association released on their website. And it went on to say that they would also have a place for um, its executive council elections on Monday, August 21. They will be vetting the interested candidates and also on uh, Monday, 14th of August, they will review the nomination form. So the last day for interested candidates to file their nominations is Friday, August um, 11. That is the statement from the Ghana Football Association. So September uh, 27 will be the, the day set aside to uh, hold its elective congress. George Freo, Keto Kirkwin, and Kojo Yanka are the candidates who have so far revealed that they are going to contest for the position of president of the football governing body. And also, Midyama SA, uh, they will be going to Africa after winning the Ghana Premier League for the first time in the history of the club. And on the weekend of August 18, they will be coming up against Remo Stars of Nigeria. President of the country, Nane Kufuado, has decided to support the club with one million Ghana series to ensure that they fly high the flag of the country, the continental stage. And I have to begin by, first of all, congratulating you, the captain and the members of the team, for this historic achievement. The 47 years since the cup was last won by a team from the Western region. This is great. You've done a great job. Against people who win the league, you have to have some people there. Absolutely. No, but I want to congratulate you very much. And you're getting the congratulations from somebody who's a fanatic. So, so you know that it's genuine, my congratulations. Well done. And, uh, and, and a, t- a team that was born in Duke's hometown. Duncan, that's, that's an excellent thing. Thank you very much for coming. Um, I think that uh, the Deputy Minister of Sports is here to assure you that whatever we can do to help, in the continental engagements that you are, you are going to be involved in this year, we'll do our best to assist, to make sure that you have a successful tilt. And then I understand that you are in fact being invited to be in Washington in the month of October for the Ghana Week. That you've been invited to go and play Washington DC Football Club. Oh wow, that's going to be a big 
I wish you the best of that of luck for that. But I'm sure that when the time gets there, the government people will also come in and make sure that things go well for you there. But thank you very much for coming. I'm honored by you coming to present this cup to me. And I want to congratulate the playing body once again for this historic achievement. You've done well. The, it's good for the Ghana, Ghana football and for the league that there's diversity in the people who come through. You shouldn't have this. For, for years it was a duopoly in Ghana, Kotoko Hearts. And then when Adriana broke through a bit, yeah, but uh, it's good. We have yet somebody else now. And we'll all remember the name Mediana Football Club. So the I forgot. I have to make a pledge. Yes, I will try and provide million CDs to help you. That's your sports for now. We do have more sports stories on myjoyonline.com and also at 2 p.m. When we come your way with sports today, we appreciate your company. Up next is World News. Mom, for kitty rice contains 12 vitamins? Yes, 12 essential vitamins that growing bodies need. So we'll grow healthy and strong. And Absolutely. Kittybite Multivitamin Tonic contains all the essential vitamins and nutrients needed for the healthy development of children from age 1 to 12 years. Also available, Kittybite Multivitamin Drops for babies under 12 months. Grow strong, grow healthy with Kittybite. Distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. Our boss was like, a decent fashion designer only gets home at midnight. Midweight. <laughs> Like all steam men. Papa just they chop Italian league like all half. These are real housewives of Abuja. Those women are fire. What does OJ say again? A relationship where money is You can stay away for me. What they treat for anyhow? Imagine this officer. I will clear her all night. Ah, don't cause. Bruh, come on, dear. Things don't matter. The biggest dragon for Westeros, then slow picking face up, climb down, right down like from Blawan. Can't catch me. Uh-uh. Ah! <laughs> he found the gold and asked her for just shaking me a piece of the pie. And she killed him for it. No one tells a story like we do. Showmax, Africa's original streaming. As world news now, and former U.S. President Donald Trump will all be formally charged at a court hearing on Thursday on charges of plotting to overturn his 2020 election defeat. 
uh, also hundreds of people back in the coup in Niger gathered Thursday for a mass rally in the capital Niamey with some brandishing giant Russian flags. The demonstrators converged at Independence Square in the heart of the city following a call by a coalition of civil society associations on a day marking the country's 1960 independence from France. Now we are forward news showbiz up next. Everyone has a story. In fact, there was a time I decided I have to stop the music. A story of that unique place that gives them a vibe. It's a spiritual moment for me whenever I have to record music because whenever the place is dark, mm. I feel I'm in the studio alone, even without the producer. vibe that births excellence, special skills, talent, and mastery. Welcome to E-Vibes with Becky on this channel. Good afternoon, welcome to Showbiz here on Journeys in our resident of Edia. Been in the Busumchi district of the Ashanti region, have been gifted with a mechanized borehole to ease their challenges in assessing portable water. The $20,000 intervention by the family of gospel musician Diana Hamilton includes a free health screening package to improve the health of and well-being of the community. The commissioning of the FE entry mechanized borehole comes as a relief to the community. Clinton Yeboah has more in the following report. The Adriaben community sits in seclusion from basic amenities. Residents trek daily to remote water sources to access clean water. They say walking the distance to access water is time-consuming and physically demanding. When the water sources we are banking our hopes on get spoiled, we have to walk miles. We are grateful for the new one that has been commissioned. We are happy that those who sing to the glory of God are able to look back. We are satisfied with this gesture. They were speaking in appreciation of the commissioning of a mechanized borehole to lessen the plight. The borehole was constructed by the family of Apostle F.E. Entry as part of the 10-year memorial celebration of his passing. Residents of Adriabin were also offered extensive free health screening. Daughter of the Apostle, Dinah Hamilton Entry, indicates the urgency of investing $20,000 in community initiatives. 
we the family the children his brothers and the whole family decided to give back to the community and so we did speak to the chiefs and the elders of the community and by the grace of god we agreed on putting up a borehole a mechanized one for the community so we did that and being that we are all in the health profession decided to also give back in terms of giving health care um, to the people in the community so water is life and, and so if your community doesn't have water and their health is affected everything is affected well, from that, Ghanaian visual artist Michael Jackson Blebo has urged young creatives never to relent in working towards achieving their dreams. During an exhibition at the Institute Museum of Ghana, Michael explains how he gathers his inspiration, adding that his wish is to see others draw encouragement from the environment. A little bit now, I say to you, whoever is watching this, please don't let anybody despise your happy beginning and good days are going to begin. My expression has always been my environment. I mean, anywhere I find myself in the world, I try to open my eyes as wide as I can to see what people are not seeing. So, um, I never back in the university that is Ken Nasty. There were posters of Absal Atelier, they were opening up for other artists students to sign up. So I took this opportunity. Even when back in school I didn't have any artworks, I decided to build my portfolio right from school. And after school I decided to enter this competition. And God knows has been involved in the Latelier competition for about 37 years and um, we try and unearth young artists and support them and nurture their talents. On that note, we end showbiz here on Joy News. There's the small showbiz news in our subsequent bulletins. Good afternoon to you, Brice. Uh, good afternoon to you, Becky, and uh, thanks for that. Well, so that's all in this bulletin. There's more news on myjoyonline.com. My name is Samuel Kujabois. Do have a pleasant afternoon, but Marketplace is up next.